financial plan and see that's what i see giving in church as if i get involved in god's financial arrangement then god's involved in my financial arrangement i asked a jewish rabbi one time i said what does it mean in malachi three ten when he said that god would open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing he said it means this to a jewish man that whenever i give my tithe and offerings into god's storehouse that god's going to take care of me now boy what better comfort can you get I mean, Biden can't even give you that. <laughs> Trump either. Government can't do it. But so many of us get depending on the government. We get depending on our job. Let me tell you something. Your job could be over with tomorrow. Think about it. I mean, you know, they could hit our electric grid tomorrow, and they said if, if when this electric grid hit, it would take two years or more to get everything back up. Can you go two years out of paycheck? No, because most of us are dependent on that, but let's de- begin to depend on God. I'm sorry I'm taking so much time, but you just bear with me for a few more minutes. I'm, I'm almost nearly half through. Let each one give as he has purposed, as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart. Now, here's the key. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves. That means he takes pleasure in him, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. Every Sunday morning, we write our check for giving in the church. And on my way out the door, I stop by Loretta, and we lay our hands on that, and we pray over our giving. We want our heart in the right place. We're not giving to get. We get because we give. You see the difference in that? We're not giving to get. What I'm talking about is not drawing circles and making you some kind of a pyramid scheme that will filter down to you. That's not what I'm talking about. It's not an overnight get-rich scheme, but it's the way of life you commit to and walk in it. And God blesses. He'll do that. All right. What do we get? That's the society we live in. What do we get? Let me tell you what we get. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 8. Again, this is from the Amplified Bible, but listen to me. Don't turn me off. And God is able to make all grace. He's able. He's able. Can you believe that anything that God is able to do, God is willing to do? Huh? He's able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient. Don't you want to be self-sufficient, not depending on the government or, or that paycheck from the boss before you go to work? Possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Now, folks, this is God's Word. This is not my promise, and this is not my trying to get money out of you. This is helping us understand. We've been taught so long, well, you're not supposed to expect anything from God. Hey, I do, because God said it's all mine, and I've got it for you. In Romans, He said that... that uh, that he gave up Christ, and because he gave up Christ, he's able to make us enjoy all things richly. 
And there again, I'm not preaching overnight get-rich-prosperity doctrine. I'm preaching you the Word of God. I'm nearly through. Get a hold of this. A lot of times when people start talking about how God will bless people, and I could stand here and tell you how God's blessed me. Brother Hughes could tell you. Run could tell you. Bradley, I mean, on down. Sister Debbie can tell you about how God is blessed, faithful giving. But let me tell you this. A lot of people hear that, and they get to thinking about bigger cars, fancier houses, nicer boats, more guns, you know, all of this kind of stuff that comes along with money. Paul said to a group of people, because they had been given, in Philippians chapter 4, he said, you have give, and your gift abounds. And listen to what he said in Philippians 4.19. And my God, my God, will liberally supply and fill to the full every little thing your heart desires. Now, hold on, hold on. He didn't say that. I did. I'm sorry. My God will liberally supply and fill to the full your every need. Your every need. God don't want you to do without. And I'm going to tell you when He fills those needs, there's times that extra stuff comes. Things that we can enjoy and enjoy in a godly manner. I just wanted to share that with you this morning, folks. So don't don't be upset with me. Don't be upset with the pastor. Just get in the Word of God and find out that it's so because it's God's Word. And I'm here to tell you, in 1980, when I began to understand about giving, and I'd been preaching 11 years, my thought was we'll give when we can. Problem was we never could. We made up our mind that we were going to at least start tithing in 1980. We were in such financial straits. I mean, we were not on the bottom of the barrel. It seemed like we were under the barrel just trying to find a hole to get in the bottom of the barrel. We had to make a payment every week on our automobile to keep from losing it. That's where we were. God brought us out of that. And I'm going to tell you, it's a whole lot better than it ever has been. And it gets better all the time. Amen. Thank you for listening to me. And God bless you. Amen. Well, glad to see y'all here this morning. Y'all still with us? Everybody still good? Uh, we did not talk about this before service. He did not say, hey, I'm going to go preach on tithing right before you get up there for giving. He did not. But it's something, and you know, I talk about it, and we've talked about it before. We talk about what it means before we give. And, and so, you know, I, I have watched God bless him and Mama throughout my life. And, they, you know, they never had brand-new stuff all the time, none of this. It wasn't, hey, we're giving so we can, you know, have more money, whatever we're giving, so God can be glorified, and that's why they done it. And we never went without at home. We never done with anything without, and they've not since or before they started this. So I can attest to what he's preaching is real and is true because I lived with it. So I lived, and so anyway, all right. Um, Thank everybody that come yesterday and throughout the week. To uh, if you've not been to the back, you can see the walls tore down back there. Um, we're we're working on today. Me and Gabby's going out to church to get some new countertops for the back. 
Um, we're going to put cabinets up along this back wall back here by the popcorn machine. Um, we're um, got a guy that's going to paint the ceiling and the walls for us um, here in about three weeks. So we've got a lot of work to do, some prep on the walls to get ready for him to paint, um, get the floor prepped for flooring. And, and so there's, there's a lot to do. And, you know, don't forget, we, we want to be to a point, and we probably won't have flooring down before the fifth Sunday singing, which would be fine. But don't forget that. That's going to be, you know, normally this place is filled up. And, you know, I'm glad we got that out of the way where we can um, have more room to accommodate people back in the back and be easier. I know Josh, Gabby's brother Josh, is working on, going to be working on taking those cabinets um, that were over against that wall. We set desserts and stuff, and he's, we're building a uh, island, taking those tables out. We're going to build an island right there with a, a top on it and stuff so it can be more easily accessible. So, you know, we're doing, we're working. And God's blessed with the money to do this with, this part. And we're going to be frugal with it and do what we can to make what we got more accessible now. We'll get the dividers up um, and some soundproofing panels in the back where we can have all the classes here. And when we get to that point, we need to discuss more about how we eat on Wednesday nights. And if y'all women, if y'all want to continue to feed, because y'all don't have all them teenagers over here. (laughs) So we need to discuss further about how we do Wednesdays, whether we have a big one once a month, and then, and then, we'll, so we'll, we'll talk about that when the time gets closer to that point. All right, anything else just now? Everybody good? All right, well, let's do today what we just heard about. Let's receive our tithes and offerings. Amen? Amen. Yeah, you can be excited about it. You can. Um, so I'm not going to expound any more on money. He's done preached on money, so I'm here to take your money, right? Ain't that? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I've been in place, and so is y'all, when they go to time to give. All right, everybody stand up. It'd be easy to get to your wallets at that point, right? We're not, we're not doing that here either. Um, prayer request that I got, uh, Gabby's aunt, her Aunt Dawn, she's dealing with a lot of health issues. She's got some lesions on her brain and, and then some arthritis issues real bad, and she's probably what? 50-something, and she's in her 50s, mid to late 50s probably, so she's had to quit work just because of these things, and she texts this morning and asks that we pray for her, so her name is Dawn Lansdale, so y'all remember her in your prayer this morning. Um, any other prayer requests or prayer needs? Yes, sir. That's right. That's right. We believe in the one that can. We do. We'll be praying for Ernie also this morning. All right. Well, let's join. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Amen. Yeah. That's right. Amen. Well, good. That's that's a great great news. And so we'll be believing that for Brent's daughter also. 
All right. Well, let's pray this morning. Everybody join together. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you again for this wonderful day which you've given us so we can come and we can spend this time together worshiping and praising your holy name. We thank you for the lives that were already touched this morning. God, when we enter in, when we fully submit ourselves to you and let your spirit move in our hearts and our lives, the work that you can do is tremendous. And God, we thank you for for your spirit moving this morning already. God, we just love you and we praise you for that. God, we thank you for our time of word already, the instruction that we had. God, that we take heed to the word of God that's preached here each and every time we come together. God, we know it's from, it's all ordained by you. It's all come from you, God. And God, we thank you that we take that and we use that in our lives each and every day. We grow in that. And, and Father, we live and be the people of God that you've called us to be, that we submitted ourselves to you, and we do that each and every day. God, we just thank you again that you're with these needs this morning. Pray for Brent's daughter right now, God, that you touch her. God, we know the report of the doctor, but we go back to your word that says, whose report will you believe? And it says, we shall believe the report of the Lord, the word of the Lord. And so we believe that on her that she is healed, and we thank you for that. The same with Ernie, with, with Stacy's dad, that you continue to touch him and bring healing and help to him right now, Father. God, to all the needs that are going, all the things that are going on in his life, Father, we thank you for it. Pray for Dawn Lansdale this morning, God, that you touch her. Her, her belief is that she's healed and she, she longs to be covered in prayer and needs that. And, God, I thank you that you're with her right now where she's at at home, comforting her, touching her right now in the name of Jesus. God, we just ask again that you, with the time as we go into our service, be with Brad this morning. Fathers, we've been praying for him all week. God, that you just use him in a special way this morning to bring forth the word that you've given him. And, God, that we take that again and use that each and every day in our hearts and our lives, Father, as you've commanded us to. God, we just thank you that you take these tithes and offerings that are coming into your storehouse today. And, God, that you bless and you touch and you move. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. It's good to be back in God's house this morning. Um, hope you've already enjoyed the service. Um, so, there is a remedy to short-winded preacher. You just let David Carroll do the devotion. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I always, I always love to hear Brother Carroll speak. You can tell he's very passionate every time. And um, this morning the title of the message is Building Endurance, Building Faith. We're going to start in Matthew 14, 22 through 33. And this actually all sparked. Elizabeth showed me a little clip of this guy that he, he speaks and preaches some on on the internet, I guess. And um, she showed me something. It was just a short little 15, 30 second thing that he had done. But instantly God started using that to work through me and and to speak to me and, and, and show me all these things and... and, and and gathered information, and, and it was just, uh, like I said, a, a little 30-minute video I watched, and, and God just used it and took off with it. And it's it's great when you can feel God working in your life like that um, and, and giving you the Word. And like Brother Mark said, it wasn't two or three days later that he said, hey, can you preach uh, last Sunday of this month? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. I've already got something that's that's brewing, so... Um, but we all know Matthew fourteen twenty two through thirty three. But we're going to read it here because uh, after watching that and listening to him, his perspective on that and studying it, it just it blew my mind. I hope it does the same for you. But starting in verse twenty two, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up. On the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So verse thirty one says, O oh, you of little faith. So a question you may have asked yourself before is Okay, why is why is Jesus saying this to Peter? Why is he telling Peter, O oh, you of little faith? When there was a whole ship full of disciples who wouldn't even make that step on the water. Who stayed on the boat and didn't ask to come out. And then 
you know, it was this guy that spoke that I was reading on and, and watching, and, and I dug in a little bit, and it, little to us means small in size, an amount, or degree. That's the definition of little, one definition of little. So, you know, a dog this size is little, right? Like this, this, this is a little notebook. That's the way we view little, right? Well, after doing some studying and reading and, and listening to this guy and, and what he said made a lot of sense, there's also another definition of little, and that is a short distance or duration. So it was a short duration of faith for Peter that made his face small. He stepped out on that water with faith, right? How much faith does it have to step onto a stormy sea? With the waves tossing you everywhere and the wind blowing. Um, how much faith does it take to step out on that ocean, right? In that sea. When all of your other friends are staying on the boat, they're scared to death, right? And it wouldn't that Peter, Peter uh, had little faith. He had this huge, great faith that he could walk on that water because Jesus said so. Right? But then the duration of Peter's faith was little. So he took his eyes off of God and he began to sink. So it was Peter's duration of faith that made it little in this situation. Um, so how do we increase our duration of faith? The word endurance. The power of going on in spite of difficulties. That's endurance. Let's read that again. The power of going on in spite of difficulties. Uh, the synonyms for that are, are determination, backbone, right? So we have to have endurance to create the duration of our faith. We have to endure these things that are going to come our way. When Peter stepped on the water and he had his eyes on Jesus and he was walking to him, the things around him began to catch his attention, right? The wind, the waves. He lost his endurance. Because of the circumstances around him, he took his eyes off of God. And verse 32 tells us that the wind ceased. We all know cease means come to an end, no longer continue. The wind ceased. Think about that for a minute. It didn't say this wind slowed down. It didn't say it lightened up, you know, five miles an hour. It ceased. It died. It no longer existed. So this wind that was so strong that had these waves tossing, and Peter scared to death that he was going to be killed in this, in this sea, like that was completely gone. So that tells me one thing. How many times could we have shown some endurance in life and the situation that had us baffled? Uh, how many times could we have had endurance to last through that storm? I think when he killed the wind, what he did was show Peter. If your duration of faith or your endurance was this much longer, the wind would have been gone and there would have been nothing to be scared of. If we could last just that much longer in the trials that come through our life, God could take them out of the way and there would be nothing to be scared of anymore. But just like Peter, so many times the things going on around us, they distract us. They set us apart from what we're after. They help us take our eyes off of Jesus. And at that point, we've lost our endurance. 
what we do instead is we get impatient, don't we? We put a timer on God. Look, I know I'm not the only one. You pray for something and it's like, okay, it's been two hours. What is going on? I mean, where are you at? Did you not hear me? Do I need to pray again? I, I, I just I just prayed this prayer and then two hours has passed and you haven't done it yet. We put a timer on God. You know, Abraham and Sarah both laughed when God let them know you're going to bear a child. They laughed. It said that said that Abraham fell on his face and laughed. It says that Sarah laughed and even mocked and even mocked God for saying they were going to have a child. In the studies I've done, they said that the ages were around Abraham being 100 and Sarah being 91 when they had their first child. 100 and, and, and the other 91. How easy would it have been, and they did. Their endurance grew small, didn't it? The duration of their faith began to diminish because it's something they both wanted in life was a child together. And they had to wait all that time to get it. And like I said, we are, what, 30 minutes to an hour? We're wondering why our prayers had not been answered. This lady was 91 when she finally got to have her first child. Sometimes God's going to put you through things because He wants to see that you have the endurance to last until the blessings come. You know, most Christians like Peter... They have big faith in God that He can do anything. Um, I mean, most of us do as Christians, don't we? We really believe in our hearts and minds that God can move mountains if He wants to. God can heal the sick if He wants to. God can do all things. But just like Peter, we all have that same issue. Is, is when we don't see it immediately, we lose our faith. We have, we have faith that He can do all the great things. We just don't have the faith that He's going to do it in a time that's going to please us. And that's where we lack. Each and every one of us, like as Christians, is, is putting that timer on God. And some examples is healing. Uh, how many times have you seen somebody pray for healing or, or pray for yourself for healing? Right? And the next day, the first sign of a symptom of what you've prayed for happens. God didn't heal me. Still sick. You know, I'm still, my legs still hurt every night when I lay down. So, I mean, God God didn't heal me. The first sign of, of, of failure, the first sign of, of God not completely healing you, it's not going to happen. Our faith is gone. We're not going to get healed. Sometimes there's reasons. All the times there's reasons. If you're having to wait for a prayer to be answered, there's a reason you need to be where you're at. There's a reason you have to go through the things you go through. God needs you to see something, or God needs you to be something for somebody else. The second thing I thought about was is financial. How many times have we had faith that God can, can help us out financially? Miss Oral Hewitt is a lady that sits at the nursing home. She's one of the people that are usually always there when I go to the nursing home. And she gave me the perfect example of this. She, her, her husband was actually a pastor for 45 years in Michigan. Before he passed away, she ended up in a thoughtful nursing home. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. 
She said they had been praying because they were in a real financial bind. And, and just to tell you how God works things out, I talked about what was on my heart and my mind that God was doing with me. Then he asked me to preach. That was the first time that lady opened her mouth and had a conversation with me during a devotion was to tell me this part that was going to be my message today. That's the only time she's ever spoken. But she said her and her husband had been praying because they were in a bad financial bind to the point where they had nothing to eat. They had been days without food. And she said they were sitting at the table in their chairs. And he told her, all I know to do is keep praying. That's all I know to do is keep praying that God's going to, he's going to come through and he's going to do this for you. She said no sooner than they got done with their prayer, they were to knock at the door. And it was a family with groceries there to help them. And they got to eat that night. It was through their endurance and the duration of their faith that made this possible. It would have been easy after the first half a day without eating to give up Go to some shelter and abandon your home and try to find help. It would have been easy. But her husband said, all I know to do is to keep praying. And they finally got the knock at the door. Just like Peter here. God just wanted to see that his endurance could last that much longer through the trials and temptations and the things going on around him. He wanted to see that his duration could be that much longer to show him what his blessing was. And if we would stick with it and we would endure those things, what more could God do for us? You know, people, we give up on people so easy. Um, same thing. I, and look, I'm terrible about this. I jump to conclusions off of the first thing I see a lot of times. But you'll see somebody that that's, that they've gotten themselves on drugs or something like that. You'll pray for them. You'll see them in the arrest report a week later. Well, they hadn't changed a bit. They're not going to change. That's just how they're going to be their whole life. They're going to be drug addicts. They're going to end up dying at early age because they can't get off of it. They're just addicts, and that's what they want to be, and that's what they're going to be. If we're praying for that person, we got to believe that God's going to do something for them. we got to believe they're going to come to a point in their life where they're going to turn that around, right? And it takes... Our endurance of faith and the duration of faith of us praying for these people to help them get through it. So let's not give up so easy. Let's keep that duration and that endurance. Let's keep praying for them. But the main thing is you can't just pray. You've got to believe. You've got to believe what you're praying is going to happen. And then us, just like Peter when he started sinking, it becomes becomes God's fault when things go wrong, don't it? It's nothing we've done ever. It's something that God's not doing right. God must not be doing something right because I haven't got what I wanted. Some people will even say, you know, He's punishing me for not living right. Listen, our punishment's going to be given at Judgment Day. What God wants to see here is regret and repent for our sins. Our punishment will come later if we haven't repented of those things. But that's what He wants to see from us. You going through hard times is not a result of you being disobedient and God punishing you. You going through a hard time could be God building your faith. Or He doesn't love me anymore. How many times have you heard about, you know, these people ain't living right. And they've got this nice house and these trucks and cars and 
all this money and their kids are happy and they're healthy and they're excelling in everything they do. So I'm going to church every Sunday and I don't have some of those things. So God just must love some people more than He loves me. That's not the case either. You know, most of the time when you see situations like that, those people are absolutely miserable because they're still lacking one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. Just like the rich young ruler who had everything. He still knew in his heart that something was missing, didn't he? Or he never would have came to Jesus and asked, what do I lack? So he wasn't happy. Verse 23 tells us, I want to go back and read this. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. So evening came, it says in verse 23, right? Evening is described as late afternoon, between late afternoon and before it gets dark. The fourth hour is between 10 p.m. and midnight. So what did Jesus do? He let them sit for a little while, didn't he? He knew he was up on that mountain praying. He knew what situation was fixing to come along. But he had to try their endurance. He had to try them. What are they going to do when they get in trouble? Are they going to look to me? Are they going to pray? Are they going to, are they going to rise up above the situation and conquer it? Or are they going to fold? Just like us. God may not always be there immediately to pull you out of your situation. Sometimes God needs to see how you're going to react to that situation. Sometimes God needs to see what you need your help with. Right? He's building us up. So... They sat there from late afternoon till somewhere between 10 and midnight. In verse 27, it says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. So, <laughs> when they saw Jesus, it says they instantly thought it was a ghost. So they had just seen Jesus perform this miracle. Now they're out in the sea. And I, I want to think, in verse 27, Jesus is thinking like, this is not even the test. Y'all are scared I'm a ghost, and this is not even the test. The test is about to come. Thinking I'm a ghost wasn't even the test. Y'all don't have enough faith yet to even not be afraid of me walking on the water. Verse 22 says, immediately after the miracle... Well, let's go to verse 22. And this was immediately following the miracle of feeding the 5,000 plus the women and children. This kind of jumped out at me. It says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. That, that shows urgency, don't it? It says he made them get into the boat. And it says immediately made them get into the boat. So um, so that tells me there was some urgency there. And 
Jesus wanted to see, like, okay, I've just shown you a miracle. I just fed the 5,000 plus women and children. I've shown you this miracle. I've performed this miracle. Now I want to see how you're going to react to the next situation that comes your way. I need you to leave and get on this boat, and I need you to go to the sea. How many times in our lives does God prove Himself and we constantly need new proof again? It happens all the time. God will prove Himself in a situation. And 30 minutes later, two, three days later, two weeks later, we need proof again that He's still God. That's what they've done here. He just fed the 5,000 plus women and children. And now a little wind comes up, and what are we going to do? We're all going to die. Here comes Jesus. All right, let me prove myself again. I really thought you could pass this test after what I just showed you. That's why I put you on the ship. I sent you to sea. I went to the mountain to pray because I thought maybe we could get through this one without you panicking and falling apart. But here you are again, stuck in the sea, scared I'm a ghost, and can't walk to me because the duration of your faith won't allow you to. In Hebrews, I don't have this one written down, but Hebrews five, twelve through fourteen. It's talking about the milk and the meat. And it kind of goes along with what we just talked about. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only in milk is unskilled in the word of, un- of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those by reason of us have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So what we were, that's the same thing we were just talking about. It's like every time Jesus has prepared us for the next situation, we get to that situation, and all of a sudden, we need the milk again. At some point, as the term says, take the bull by the horns. At some point, we have to take the bull by the horns. And, and, and we have to get through a situation without Jesus having to come and bail us out, right? At some point, we have to be seasoned enough and, and, and in the Word of God and in, in our prayer lives to, to get through things without having to start all over every time a situation comes our way. Mark chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. Everyone knows this parable. It's of the, the sower. Sower of the seeds explained. Um, now these are the ones, and I'm going to verse 18 here. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Jesus had already sown the seeds in these disciples' hearts. He had already done many things to show them who He was and who they needed to be. And He had sown this into their hearts. And just like this Scripture says in Mark, as Peter's walking to Him, 
and he can hear and feel the wind and he can see the waves. He let the cares of the world, he let the things that surround him decide whether he was going to sink or walk on that water. And we do the same things. I'm guilty of it all the time. So many times we let the things going on around us determine how we're going to react to a situation. And it's just so easy to get distracted away from God's will and God's Word today. Because there are so many things out there that can pull you away. You know, I was just... <laughs> I was actually... I was sitting in Jack's parking lot, okay? And I had just ordered my meal and they told me to pull up. So I did. And I'm sitting there and... You know, God is just filling my head with things for this message. Just one thing after another. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me and working through me. And it's just such a good feeling when that happens. Because I'm just sitting there in the Jack's drive-thru waiting on food. And it's going and going and going. But here's how easy we get distracted from God's Word, okay? And from what God's trying. If we will just sit down and quit trying to figure everything out on our own and listen for that small, still voice. How different things could be. Because as I'm sitting there thinking about how awesome it is God's working with me and working with me, the second or third car passes me that was behind me. I'm like, what is taking them so long? I mean, there's three people just past me, and I'm sitting there waiting on my food. And then it hits me. I'm like, God was just speaking to you, and you were enjoying it, and the Holy Spirit was working through you. But now the impatient side of you has come through. You couldn't endure those people getting your food before you. Oh, jeez. Again, every time you think you've gotten somewhere, God has a good way of showing you where you're at. Matthew 26, 31 through 35. This is another very familiar scripture. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Peter had great faith that nothing was going to separate him from Jesus, especially him denying Jesus. That wasn't going to happen. He said, If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Right? So again... Most all of us are Christians, that are Christians, have great faith that God can do anything, right? That He's that He can do anything possible, or He can make all things possible. We never doubt who God is to start with. And this was Peter saying, all of my faith is in you. 
I don't care if I have to die with you. I will not deny you. His mind was made up, wasn't it? Now let's read in verse 69 through 75. This was, now Pilate had Jesus back. They were determining what they were going to do with Jesus. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, You also were with Jesus in Galilee. But he denied it before them, saying, I do not know what you were saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came and said to Peter, Surely you are also, or surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Again, Peter wanted to do the right thing. He had great faith that he was going to do the right thing. And then the troubles of this world come along. His endurance grew thin. He couldn't endure the questioning, the thought of having to die with Jesus just for being with him. And just what he told Jesus is the exact opposite of what happened when it came. A lot of times it's easy for us to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It's easy to talk about doing the right thing. It's a whole another story when you have to do it. It's a lot easier to talk it than it is to do it. Especially when 90% of the people that surround you do not care whether or not they follow Jesus. It makes it that much tougher. You know, I remember one night, I started hurting real bad um, that evening, and then I went to Elizabeth's house, we were dating at the time, and I ended up having to lay down in the bed, and I hurt for several more hours, I'm just talking about excruciating pain, didn't know what was going on. It wasn't too much longer that her dad and a friend of his that went to church there they wanted to pray over me. And I was, yeah, let's do this. Because something's not right with me. We need to pray. So we prayed. And they prayed that God would heal me of what was going on with me. Immediately following the prayer, the man that was there with them said, you need to get him to the mercy room. Something's bad wrong with him. We prayed a prayer but it wouldn't believe, was it? We sat there and prayed for healing, and the next words out of the mouth was, we need to get him to the emergency room. Something's wrong. We didn't even give Jesus time to heal me. There was no time given for him to take that pain away, to take the situation away. I ended up having a kidney stone was what was wrong with me that night. But what I'm getting at is, how many times do we pray and immediately following that prayer, we already don't believe what we just prayed. God can do all things. It doesn't matter what, what, what it says we can do medically. 
God's the mighty physician that can do all. God could have healed me that night, but we didn't even give him a chance to. You know, I remember one night, me and Mark, um, we were at the hospital. We had a, a man from this church who was who was in bad shape, and we prayed over him. His wife was there. Ginger was there. You know, that was the first time in my life I had begun to grow. I had started coming back to church and rededicated my life, and I was preaching again and doing what God called me to do. That was the first time in my life I prayed over that man with Mark. And there were zero doubts in my head that he was going to be healed, that he was going to come out of that. You know what? It didn't work out that way, the way we wanted it to. He, he passed on. He got the ultimate healing. But what I'm getting at is I can't tell you how good it felt for the first time in my life to pray over someone and to have zero doubts in my head that God was going to take care of the situation. It may not have been my way, but it was taken care of. And we all have to get to that point to where when our prayers are answered, we're not surprised and shocked by it. We have to get to that point, don't we? Right now, and several times in my life, it's been like, wow, God answered that prayer. Another prayer answered. That's awesome, right? But we rather need to be surprised and wondering why He hasn't answered prayers. we got to get to the point where we're not surprised when He answers our prayers. We're surprised when our prayers haven't been answered. We've got to change our way of thinking. It's the last scripture. It's going to be First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. This also reminds me of a, a funny story. I mean, sometimes you don't know the Bible as well as you think you do. I actually <laughs> I had a password on one of my little apps. And my password was 2 Peter 5 7, because that's my favorite verse. Well, there's not five chapters in 2 Peter, it was 1 Peter 5 7. <laughs> but my password is 2 Peter 5 7. So verse 12 through 16 in chapter 4, 1 Peter. Beloved, do you think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you? Rejoice to the partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with sitting joy. If you are reproached for Christ's name, blessed are you, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, He is blasphemed, but on your part, He is glorified. But let none of you suffer a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in order in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Okay, now we read this and we know that, okay, something's happened to Peter, hasn't it? Something has happened to Peter. Through Jesus' teachings, he has built up his spiritual endurance 
And now he has faith with endurance and duration. Peter had saw some things. He had been some places. He had been through some rough times. And, and God had pulled him through numerous times. And he had begun to mature. And now, as you can see, his way of thinking has completely changed. Count all things going on to you for the glory of God. Even the persecutions, the bad things. Glorify God with these things. So, a question is, how do I endure the storms and create faith that has duration? It's a good question, ain't it? How do I endure the storms and create faith that has duration? And I've got written down here, be an oyster. Do y'all know what oysters do? Do you know how pearls are formed? Any contaminant, whether it's sand, parasite, an irritant, a foreign substance, stress, or scars, the oyster automatically sends different things to that area that has been scarred. That contaminant that sneaks inside of its shell, it forms a hard cover over it. And then that hard cover, when it's done and perfected, turns into a pearl. So the only reason the oyster has a pearl is because it's been hurt and because a contaminant has gotten inside. So when we have contamination creeping into our lives, we have a parasite creeping into our life, a foreign substance, stress, we've been scarred by something that's happened in our life, let's not dwell on that and live with that inside of us. Let's pray to God and let's have faith that He can take that hurt and that pain and that scar and that stress, whatever is inside of us, He can take that and He can make it into a beautiful pearl. If you're lost today, you only have yourself to pull you out of the storm. Yourself is going to fail every time. If all you have is yourself to pull you out, you're going to fail every time. Before I was saved and asked God to come into my life and, and, and for Jesus to be my Savior, I can't tell you how many times I tried. As I'd put the drugs or the alcohol down or, or whatever it was I was doing at the time and say, this is the last time I'm changing my life. I'm tired of this. I'm not living this way anymore. It, sometimes it wouldn't even be a day. If it lasted a day, it wouldn't last a week. If it ever lasted a week, it sure wouldn't last a month. I was right back in it again. I kept going back and going back it's for one reason. It wasn't just me. It's the human being. It's the nature of the human. You're not able to pull yourself out of bad situations without Jesus. He's the only one that can pull you out of these things. And if you haven't accepted Him as your Savior, then He can't pull you out of anything. You have to call on Him. He has to become your Savior to rescue you, to pull you out of these things. And if you've been saved and you're a born-again child of God, then it's time to start having faith in what you believe in. Enduring the trials and tribulations that come along with it. Using that to build your endurance so that you have faith with duration that will last. And that's not crumpled at the first thing that goes wrong. So I'm going to ask you to call on Jesus today and start your journey of faith and salvation.
everyone would 